This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com This past Monday was Rosh Chodesh Av. Mishinichnas Av, Mematim B'Simcha. It says that when Av, the month of Av comes in, you should be less happy. It doesn't say you shouldn't be happy at all. It was very interesting tonight. I was at a, I took somebody out um, for dinner tonight, of course at a Milchiger restaurant. Um, it was a very fancy, tasty Delicious Milchika restaurant, and there was a line out the door waiting to get the, the chairs. No, right here on Avenue M, and I don't like to do advertisements because then, right, but, but we don't do advertisements because then the other guys get angry. Why didn't you mention me? So, the only restaurant we mentioned is Garden of Eden because Garden of Eden gives us food for Arnava, but otherwise, anyway, other restaurants we don't mention because we don't want to favor one of them. Anyway, so, a man comes over to me and says, you know, the Wallstein, the whole thing of eating milchiks is that you shouldn't eat meat because meat makes you happy. But you look at the desserts in this restaurant. They make you happier than any steak you ever ate. So like, once again, we're getting around the rabbis. I'm like, Hashem knows the Jewish people and he knew when he gave the rules that we'd have those desserts. But at the end of the day, because it doesn't say, Mishinichnas Av, you shouldn't have any simcha. So you should have less simcha. So, we learn from this, on Adar, it says, You should have more simcha. Which was this past Monday, you should have less simcha. Which means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants the Jewish person, the human being, always to be simcha. On Adar, take it up a bit. On Av, take it down a bit. But never get rid of your simcha. HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not want atzvah. He doesn't want depression. He doesn't want people to be depressed. He doesn't want people to be anxious. Um, and it's just an interesting subject. I don't think I'm going to talk about it tonight. But the whole subject today of probably the most, um, the medicine most prescribed um, in the world today is Prozac and other antidepressants. Antidepressants. The whole world seems to be depressed. Very depressed. Depression. Um, and you see that even in Av, in this month of Av, Hashem wants you to have less happiness, but He doesn't want you to be depressed. Because you can't really serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You can't really serve Hashem when you're depressed. It's called Atzvah. So, even when the Beis Hamidosh was destroyed, two Beis Hamidosh were destroyed, the Holocaust started in, in, at this time of year. Uh, the Moraglim came back, the Jews ended up um, being 40 years in the desert. Right, Hashem says, that, that's, not a, that, that's not a reason to be depressed. People think, oh, you have to be depressed. You're not supposed to be depressed. Be a little less happy. You know what I mean? Don't, 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 don't be dancing around and music and stuff like that. But you got to still be happy. So I think that Hashem knew that they'd be good milk restaurants. And I also think that, I think Hashem knew that they'd come out with that music, whatever it's called. Uh, acapella, which, uh, which sounds to me like, Regular music may be better than regular music. Um, so he knew that was going to happen. So I, I used to rag about it a lot. I used to be really, um, I used to attack it a lot because I felt very much that, um, imagine somebody sitting Shiva, they lost someone that they love, and you're walking with a boom box with acapella, with a bunch of guys going boom, ba, ba, and all that stuff. The person who's sitting Shiva would say, are you crazy? you coming to my house like that, whatever. And here is Hashem sitting Shiva on, on his... Um, 
Beis Hamikdash and all those kids and the Holocaust of six million Jews, and and you're sitting there in your car listening to these guys. You know, I don't, I don't have to mention the group, but there's a group that does this, and there's, and there's a lot of other things. And so, like, you're sort of going into a shiver with a boombox. With so, I used to really rip it up, but I don't rip it up anymore. Because at the end of the day, Shem doesn't want you to be depressed. So, if you need music, it doesn't have real music, and they, have, they came up with this whole acapella. So be it. I'm getting old. I'm getting quieter. I'm, I'm, but but the truth is, not. You know what? We don't want Jews walking around depressed. That's not. That's not what this is all about. So, not simcha, but doesn't mean you shouldn't have any simcha. And of course, Shabbos, wine, meat. You're not supposed to show any avelos. It is. Mishmur talks about this coming Shabbos. Shabbos Chazon. There are many um, views that you should have a little less simcha. That this Shabbos you shouldn't invite friends. There's some rabbis that hold. It's Shabbos Chazayin, but it's Shabbos, but you, sh- you shouldn't have all your friends over and stuff like that. And there are other rabbis that say, no, if you don't invite your friends, so you're showing, usually you have three, three couples coming to your house, let's say, right? And now you don't invite anyone, so it's, you're showing Avelos. You now I'll show Avelos on Shabbos. So some rabbis say, you shouldn't have friends, and there are even rabbis that say that your suit that you wear, Shouldn't be coming right out of the cleaners for Shabbos. There's big, there's big, uh, there's big arguments on what Shabbos Chazon should look like. But I was brought up very stringently. My father, when he lost his father, he never showed any avails on Shabbos. And even if he was invited to a simcha on Shabbos, he would go. He would say, normally I would go. People are going to say, there's avails on Shabbos. He's very scared of avails on Shabbos. That's why I was brought up. But there are definitely different menhagim, different ways of looking at this. Shabbos, not to have people over and joke around. It's, it's, but if the person is a place for Shabbos, you can be No, it doesn't mean inviting. Like no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like a bunch of chavers sitting at the table making jokes and, you know, not the Shabbos. The Shabbos torn it down a bit. But no depression. That's not, that's not what I could have for once. He doesn't want us to, he doesn't want to be as depressed. I will speak on my thoughts of why we're, we're in a generation where there's everything, we're more depressed than in my generation where there was nothing. In my generation, you know, they have now, and she's a very good friend of mine, Batyakan, she's a very good friend, she got these camp packs that they're sending up, they got Kugel and Kishka and stuff going up to these kids, man, party bags with candies and stuff, and it's like unbelievable, like, hello, the camps today give such good food, and these guys, everyone's getting boxes of this stuff, and if, if, if my daughter has all her friends in the bunk, my granddaughter's getting this stuff, and I don't send it to her, she feels like, when am I an orphan? Like, why am I not, get, why am I not getting anything? So, so the kids today, on top of the chocolate cake and all the food that they're getting, and, and that you have to have, on top of that, you have to have a whole candy center in every camp, that you gotta put money in the, what is it called, the, canteen, so they have, after supper, they're buying franks and burgers and steak and stuff like that. you got to send them camp packs also. And then when you ask them, how's camp? Camp sick. I hate it. <laughs> so what's going on over here? The kids have more than they ever had in their lives. Everybody's depressed. Everyone's in bed, can't get out of bed. Everyone's walking around, the whole world is walking around depressed. Why are you depressed? Why does a person depressed if he has more? Shouldn't the person be depressed if he has less? It's the opposite. But that's not depression. That's not depression. 
Why are the person depressed? I can't get out of bed. The world is dark. Everything's bad. When the generation has so much, and what we, what did we get in camp? What did we get in camp? Our parents came, and what did they bring us? They brought us, no, they brought us something. They brought us that, that, that paddle with the rubber band with the little orange ball. <laughs> no, I'm saying, if you went to camp, you got the paddle, remember that? It was a quarter. And, you know, and, and like, it's like, ma, I'm a, I'm a boy. I can't be sitting there going like this in camp, you know? But that's all they had in Julie's, in this one, in this little store that they had up there. And we, and we were happy, or we weren't happy. We, we got a flashlight. Wow. Mashahu. To have a flashlight with that big thing, with the big batteries, was amazing. It was unbelievable. So there is, there is a connection to having to work for something, to earn something. Um, in the end, it gives you a positive energy. Um, and getting everything without working for it gives you very negative energy. Well, it's a different share. Uh, we'll talk about that. But anyway, that's not for tonight. So tonight we're going to learn a little bit about, I've been speaking about it all week. Those who were in Boston this week when I spoke Monday night, Tuesday night, Monday night, um, heard part of this already. I'm sorry that you have to hear it again. But all the other people here that didn't hear it, um, I think it's very, very important. You no, know, I always speak in Boston. For the Irgun Shure. Yeah, they're upstairs. Yeah, they were upstairs. I don't know if they were alive, but they were upstairs. Okay, anyway, here's the Mishnah that I spoke about that I think is very important about bringing up your children and your friends and whatever else, every other relationships that you have. So there's a Mishnah in the first parak that talks about Aaron HaKohen, and being that it was Aaron HaKohen's yard site on Monday, the only yard site date of death that's ever mentioned in the Torah was Aaron. It says on the fifth month, on the first day, Aaron died. Nowhere else in the Torah does it say when someone died. When Avram died, Yitzhak died, Yaakov died, we don't, we don't know the date. It doesn't say the date. But Aaron Akayan, it says the date. It says that it was the first day of, of, which was on Monday, and being that I'm a Kayan, um, I usually give a Kiddush on his yard site, and I'd like to learn something about Aaron Akayan. So, Hillel Bashamai Kibbul Mehem. Hillel Shammai learned from Shmaya of Talia. Hillel Omer, Hillel said, Havei mitamidov shall Aaron be a student of Aharon. Oyev shalom, love peace. Verodev shalom, and run after peace. Okay, love peace, run after peace. What does that mean? How do you run after peace? How do you love peace? Oyev habrios, love the creations. How does one love the creations? By bringing them close to the Torah. Not by buying them tray for food. Not by helping them do Averis. But just the opposite. If you really care about someone, then you're going to bring them into the next world. You're going to bring them into Elam Haba. Because this world is very short. 100 years, 90 years. The next world is forever. And then after the, after Gan Eden comes Olam Haba, and Olam Haba, which is the new world that Hashem is going to create, that's forever. Ever, 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 ever. So, the most important thing is for a person to do is to bring that, their child or their friend into the next world. How do you do that? By buying them tray for food? By letting them do what they want? By helping them do an Avera? No, that's bringing them into hell. But to bring them into heaven, says, says the Mishnah, how do you show your love? You want to show your love to someone? Help them do tshuva. 
bring them into Ganeidim, bring them into Ilam Haba. So Mekavin, Latayra, he says, how do you do this? By bringing them close to the Torah. Now, I don't have Mishnahis with me. I'm going to tell you the Mishnahis from my heart. So there's a, there's, there's in, the, in the Mishnahis, on one side there's Bartanura, there's a Teisus Yantif, and the other, and on one side there's Teisus Yantif, and the side the Bartanura. The Bartanura says something amazing. He says the following. He says, what does it mean? He says, people love, some people love peace. Some people really, they just hate fighting. It makes them nervous. Don't like fighting. I don't want to fight with anyone. I don't want anyone fighting around me. So I love peace. I love to watch people, you know, shake hands and make amends and apologize. And I love at the end of the, you know, story that everyone comes together and everything is good. One of the most amazing stories that I ever heard in my life and I got into a lot of trouble when I repeated it, because I repeated it in a town, out of town, not in New York, and they thought I was talking to them. So they're like, how can you, you, you think you can come from outside and talk about our problems? I wasn't talking about their problems. They didn't even know they had that problem. But when I spoke about it, I guess, you know, the pimple on the nose. You know the pimple on the nose? You have a pimple on your nose, you're talking to the person, you're like, how come that person keeps looking at my pimple on my nose? The person who you're talking to doesn't even see the pimple on your nose, because you know it. You think everyone's looking at it. So I got into, went into this town, said a story, and they're like, oh my God, he came here to give us Musa. But it's a fa- fascinating story. I love this story. They're talking on the subject of Oyev Shalom, the Raid of Shalom. So there were these two brothers, and they were best friends. And their father died, their father died, and he left them over a huge field, miles and miles and miles. So, one brother built his house on one side of the field, and the other brother built a house on the other side of this field. There's a huge field between them. They had a meeting. One brother said, I want to plant corn. I think we'll make a lot of money if we plant corn. The other brother said, no. Corn is it just its too much work, and there's so much waste, because the plant, you know, you only keep the corn. The plant has to get thrown out. He says, I think we should buy, I think we should plant cucumbers. Cucumbers, the plant is very little, teeny thing, right? So you can get much more cucumbers. So they were having this fight between the two of them. And the fight started getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm not letting you plant cucumbers. I'm not letting you plant corn. So they went finally to a big rabbi and they said, we have a problem here. He wants corn, he wants cucumbers. The rabbi said, what's the problem? Half corn, half cucumbers. So one of the brothers was mamish so angry. He was the one who wanted to plant the corn. So angry at his brother, he said... Okay, this is what you want to do? I'm going to build um, a wall between the two of us. I'm not, I don't want to see you. I don't have anything to do with you. I don't want my kids playing with your kids. That's it. I'm done. So he calls this carpenter and he says, listen, I, I can't look at my brother. I'm going to plant corn. He's going to plant cucumbers. Between it, I want to build a wall so high, so high that there's nowhere in my field or in my property that anyone in my family will be able to look at anyone in his family across, across this wall. And, and he says, how much wood do you think it would take to build this wall? So the guy measures it, measures it. It's a long, the property's huge. So he has to divide the property. That's a lot of wood. He says, it's about $50,000 worth of wood. He says, how fast can you build it? I can't look at my brother's field. If I'm going to see that corn, I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to burn it down. I can't, I can't see it. He says, it's going to take probably about a month. Great. 
says, okay. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure that me and my family have nothing to do with my brother. While you build this wall, here's 50 grand. While you build this wall, we're going away. We're going away. I'll be back in a month. Make sure the wall's there. He goes away for a month. Godless story. Godless story. Goes away for a month. Comes back with the wagon with his kids. There's no wall. There's a bridge. A bridge from his brother going over the corn, going over the cucumbers, from his brother's house to his house. He runs over to the carpenter. He says, are you crazy? I told you to build a wall. I gave you $50,000 worth of wood to build a wall. What did you do? So the carpenter says, I thought about it. I know the two of you since you're little kids. I took all the wood, the exact amount, the $50,000 of wood, and I used the exact wood to build a bridge instead of a wall. Meanwhile, his brother with the corn, right, sees a bridge. He says, oh my gosh, my brother loves me. I thought he hated me. He built a bridge from his house to my house so the two of us could be together. So the brother, the corn guy, is running across the bridge to thank his brother. You're amazing. Even though you were so angry at me and I was so angry at you, you actually love me more than I love you. You built a bridge. And he's like, I love you. And he's kissing. Now the other brother can't say, I was going to build a wall. I hated your guts. I wanted to build a wall. He wasn't going to stick his foot in his mouth. And the carpenter is standing there and he's smiling. And he's like, I love you too. And the whole thing falls apart. And they're best friends. The same energy that you use to build walls, you can build bridges. You don't need any more energy. This is what it says in this Mishnah. And the, and the, the Bautanura says that what Aaron, Aaron HaKohen used to do when two guys were fighting, he would go over to one and say, listen, you know the guy you're fighting with? He just had a long talk with me. He doesn't know how to ask you forgiveness, he is so sorry, and he loves you so much, and he's so embarrassed, that he asked me to ask you for forgiveness. Then he went to the other guy, and he said, you know, your friend over there, he is so sorry, he feels so bad, he wants to ask you forgiveness. When the two of them met, they're like, no, no, it's okay, it's okay, I forgive you. That was what Aaron did. Now, of course, it wasn't true. We're going to go back to the share about, how could he lie? He made up a story. They, they never said they want to make friends, whatever it is. So it goes back to the sheer, it goes back to the sheer that we gave that MS is not the truth of the words that you say. Shalom is always MS. And if you cause a machlaikis, even if what you're saying is true, right, what do you mean it's true? I had to say that about her. That's Shekhar. So even though Aaron, what he said he made up, if it makes peace, it's called MS. Okay. So that was the Oyev Shalom. Then he brings down that when when you see someone doing something wrong, right, instead of criticizing them, you should show them how much you care about them. And in the end, they're going to be embarrassed. So Aaron Akoyim was a very big tzaddik. And when he would see a Russia, somebody who was a Balavera, he would run over to him and say, Shalom Aleichem! How you doing today? How's the family? And the guy inside was feeling, oh my gosh, this tzaddik, 
that he even touched my hand, that I shook his hand, that he's saying hello to me, if he knew what I do behind the, behind the scenes, what a rush I am, he would never shake my hand. So he, the guy felt like nothing, you know, it's like me going through Chaim Kainetsky. I'm like, he sees right through me, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that, that I'm even allowed to touch his hand and shake his hand. I went to the mikvah 20 times, but it's just Chaim. It's like, oh my gosh, you know? So, so it's, it's an awe. So Aaron had such an awe and he was so nice to everyone that the people that he was nice to felt so bad, like, oh my gosh, this tzaddik thinks I'm a good guy, I'm such a rotten guy. So what am I going to do? I'm going to change, so I deserve to shake his hand. He set an example, and I always say, don't criticize people. Set an example. This is an all-women share. Somebody blocked the driveway? All right. Anyway, thank you. You should be a bench and have arichas yavim b'shanim. I actually thought you came to listen to my share with Chayshim B'Sherim. All right. No, don't block driveways. That's not. No. I'm sure she didn't see the. She didn't see with the driveway. It happens. You park in these angles and you don't see that there's a driveway. All right. The tshuva is when you get called out like that, you're 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 not chayav anymore because you, you, Hashem forgives it all. But People don't do it. I do, I've done it. I parked somewhere and I thought, and the guy's like, you're in my driveway. I'm like, where's the driveway? And then you look at it, you see that it's not going to drive away. Anyway, so, so your person's supposed to set such an example that like, like the guy's talking in shul, right? He's talking about davening, it's killing you, whatever it is. Then after that davening, you go over to him. He knows, he sees that you're a davener that never talks. And you're like, Shomalechem, thanks for coming to our shul. Thanks for, you got an aliyah this morning, what a beautiful bracha. And the guy's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's even talking to me. He never talks by davening, and he's like being so nice to me. I really have to stop doing what I'm doing. That's the way that Aaron Hakayan got people to do tshuva by setting an example. And the third thing we we'll say from this Mishnah, which is so important, is that if you think you're you're if you think you're someone's friend and you're showing them love by helping them do the wrong thing, that's not makarvam matayra. That's not that's not oyevus is a person who's makarvam matayra. You're bringing someone close to Torah, you're bringing someone close to Hashem, you're bringing someone into Ganeidah, that is a true friend. Okay? Again, you have to do it carefully. You can't yell at someone, you can't make them feel rotten. So there's a Kavayasha that backs this up. And the Kavayasha said, I'm just going to learn a teeny bit tonight of the Kavayasha. Alright, Zek Klag Torah. The big cloud in the Torah is that you should love your friend like yourself. Now, the famous question is, that's not a Jewish thing. The Goyim also have really good buddies in the army and football teams and gangs. Gangs, they do the worst things. They kill people, they rape people, they sell drugs, but they will die for each other. They will take, they will die for another gang member. So what is that? Why is that Jewish? Why is that Jewish? It's not Jewish. It's, it's, it's any, any human being who has a close friend. He loves his friend as much as himself. Not a Jewish thing. And we're saying here, Zek Klau Gadol Batayra. This is the Klau Gadol in the Torah? It's not a Torah Dika thing. It's a, it's a friend thing. Goyim have it. ISIS has it. They'll die for each other in a minute. 
So what does that have to do with the Torah? If we go back to the Mishnah, and the Mishnah says that what is true love? True love, this is what Kavim La Torah, that you bring someone closer to the Torah and to do mitzvahs. Oh, the word Vahafta means love. And what does love mean? Love means bringing someone close to Hashem. Love means bringing someone into Ganeiden that's Jewish. So yeah, they'll die for each other. But they're not going to tell the other guy, don't kill, don't steal, don't do this Avera, because we want you to go to heaven. They don't do that. That's not going to happen. So the Vahafta Lecha Kamacha is a raya, is a proof to what the mission is saying. Vahafta Lecha Kamacha is a Jewish thing. Why? As the mission says, as Hillel says, what is Vahafta? What does it mean to love someone? Not a gang member. Not a guy from ISIS who will die for the other guy. Not a guy in the army. Not a guy in a football team. All his buddies. No, Vahafta Lecha Kamacha is a Kavrela Batayra. Vahafta means to be Makarv in Hashem, to bring someone close to Hashem and bring someone into Ganeiden. So that's Jewish. The biggest cloud in the Torah is to help bring, just like you want to go to Gan Eden and you want to leave when Mashiach comes and you want to be in Olam Haba, make sure that happens to your friend. That's like only a cloud of the Torah. That's a different meaning than having a best buddy and being inseparable on that level. No. It means bringing someone close to the Torah. So he says in the Kalayasha, our rabbis say, that this is a great cloud of the Torah. This is all I want to say. There is no greater love. Listen carefully. There is no greater love. When a person sees that his friend, his brother or sister, in Klai Yisrael, is doing something wrong. He's doing a sin. You need to discipline him, to criticize him on what he's doing. Because all our souls are connected. And therefore, a person, he'll be zeicher, that his friend will stop and doing what he's doing and he'll do tshuva, bishav, and he'll return, berofalo, and he'll be healed. You hear? So what the Kabbalah is saying is what the Mishnah is saying, if you see your friend doing something wrong, instead of helping them doing something wrong, or it's okay, don't worry about it. No, do worry about it. Because if you're Mechal Shabbos, you're Chayv Kareis. And I don't want you to be cut off in Shemayim. I don't want you to be cut off from Ganeidin or even Gehenim and be floating around the world with nowhere to go. I, I want to see you when Mashiach comes. I care about you. You know what went on? And you know that we talk about the Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Do you know that four fifths died? Four fifths died. Only one fifth got out. It was a Holocaust. You do the math. If six hundred thousand got out and there were only one fifth, that means. There were 3 million Jews there. So that means that 2.4 million Jews died in Choshech. That's pretty sad. That's very sad. Only one-fifth got out. Are we happy if only one-fifth gets out when Mashiach comes? And that we lose four-fifths of Klai Yisrael? So if you really love them, you really care about them, bring them close to the Torah. If you have a cousin or someone that's off the derech, bring them on the derech. I was telling the boys last night, no, no criticism, Ruth. This is, I'm not trying to criticize what I'm about to say, so don't take, take it as a criticism. But Ruth here is a Tzadikistah. 
That's not the criticism. But we know each other for a very long time. The most important thing she has in her life, besides her children and grandchildren, is this little book. She used to have many books, but they were lost in Maimonides. And in that book are hundreds of names of sick people. Not only of sick people, she has a whole page of people who have no children. Not only does she have a whole page of people who don't have children, she has a whole page of people who don't have Shidduchim. But we need to have a different kind of book. Because at the end of the day, the person that we're davening for, that's sick, if chas v'shalom, chas v'shalom, atzilus are not answer for whatever reason, they pass away and leave this world, they're going to Ganeiden. They're going to another world. They're going to a good place. They're going to rest in the ziv hashchina, in the, in the light of God. Okay. So we have a list and we dive in. We hope they have more life. But who has a list of kids that are off the derech? Nobody. Who has a list in their sitter by Hashivenu to do tshuva and slachlanu for forgiveness and atochenu das that Hashem should give them das to all the hundreds, thousands of people that are off the derech? Because you see, if they don't come back, they don't have a next world. And that's forever. They don't have an Olam Haba, and they don't have a Ganeiden. So the book for them should be a lot bigger than the book for people who are sick. So if there's someone on the block, some kid on the block, that you know, some girl, that you walk out on a Shabbos, she's outside her house and she's texting. She's Chayef Kares. Chayef Kares means that that neshama is cut off from God. How come you don't know her mother's name? How come you don't know her mother's name? How come you're not davening for her? How many times when you come to the next world, Hashem's going to say, you knew this was your cousin, this was your this, this was your that, this kid was down the block. How come you never daven for them that they should come back to me? You don't care about me? It's my daughter. That's my daughter. It's off the I'm, I'm her father. You don't care about me? You never. Da- you don't even know her mother's name. You, you never found out her mother's name. She's not in your sitter. So how come none of us have in our sidurim? Well, some of us do, but very few of us have in our sidurim names of kids that are off the derech. Now you can't walk up to kids off the derech and say, "What's your name? What's your mother's name?" They're not going to like that. But you could find out who they are. So I think that yeah, that that our, our, in our tefillah, especially in the nine days in our tefillahs. We need to start davening for these kids because really, the tefillah is what brings them back more than anything else. And I told you the story of the Ramban and he had a Talmud that was off and he, and he tried everything, he couldn't get him back. But when he davened for him, he came back. So I think that everyone should have a couple of names in their sitter so that when they say Hashivenu, they can say those names and Akash Baruch should help them come back. There's so many kids out there. And that's Kares. That's much longer and much worse than leaving the physical world. Leaving the spiritual world is a lot, lot worse. So, says, says Hillel, who had a lot of love, as we know, when they, when the, when the Gary came to, when the person asked him, how do you learn, how, how can you teach me the Torah on one foot? Right? He said, don't do it any others what you don't want to do. So Hillel was a very big lover of people. So he said, if you really want to know what it means to love someone, it means to save them from the dark side. That's the greatest love of all. The rest of it is not what it's all about.
buying them a pair of pants because they want to wear pants, giving them a chazer because they want to eat chazer, helping them be machal Shabbos, buying them drugs because they want to do drugs, buying them cigarettes. That's not ava. That's the opposite of ava. That's sinner. You really hate that person. So what are you doing to that person? You're taking him to hell. You don't take people to hell who you love. When you do mitzvahs and you help them do mitzvahs, and you take them to Ganeiden, ooh, that's somebody that you really love. It's a very important lesson, and that's the Mishnah. I didn't say it. It says, Abrios. That's the Mishnah. It's is very, 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 very clear. It's very clear. That what does it mean to love? What it means to love is, He sees his friend doing something wrong. You've got to tell him. In a nice way. In a nice way. The greatest love for your friend, when you see him doing a sin, to tell him you're doing the wrong thing. And to bring him close to the Hashem, in order to be Mekayim, the Mitzvah, he should be Mekayim, the Mitzvah, in the Torah. So yeah, we have to start writing some names that we know, and Daven for them in Shwana Esrei. It's just as important as writing the names in the book for Zivug, Rufus Shalema, and children. All right. Now we're going to switch channels. So, um, this is very fascinating what I'm about to tell you. And I can't even tell you how I came about it. Um, I was looking to make this for my speech on Tisha B'Av and, and Elul because we're having 13 of volcanoes this year, more than we ever had. So that means I have to speak 13 times. I can't say the same thing 13 times. You're not going to listen to it. So i got to come up with like eight speeches at least. So that's a lot of work. So where do you, where do you, it's Elul, so you want to learn Hilchus Tshuva. Tshuva is in, in, in the Rambam, it's Hilchus Tshuva. I spoke about it a little last year. So I, I, I was preparing and I, I didn't open, to, I opened the Rambam and it opened up to Hilchus Yisaydeh HaTorah, which the, the laws of the foundation of the Torah. That's where it opened up. I'm like, okay, let me learn a little bit Shabbos and we'll learn a little bit. I want to read to you what I opened up to. Now, I don't know, for the last, wow, I would say, five to seven years, this question has been asked to me hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. Rabbi Wallerstein, because parents come to me, I just found out my daughter's talking to a boy. I hear this all day long. I just found out my daughter's talking to a boy. She's a 7th grader. She's an 8th grader. She's a 12th grader. She's an 11th grader. She's 35. She just started talking to a boy. I'm like, Baruch Hashem. But anyway, right? So, so, they bring the kid to me. And they're like, what are we going to do with her? She's a Beis Yaakov girl. And Rabbi Wallstein, look what I just found on the phone. There's some guy, Chaim, in Connecticut, that she's talking to. Disaster! And the girl looks me in the eye and she's like, Rabbi Wallerstein, can you show me in the Torah? Right? Those are the two questions. Did you have to cover your hair? That's not the little kids. It's the older one. Where did it say you have to cover your hair? Okay, so we all know the answer by the Saita. Right? When she comes to the Beis HaMikdash, she did that Avera. So it says the Kohen makes her, rem- makes her remove the covering of her head. So we know from the Torah that she, she was married, she had to cover her hair. So that's okay. But where does it say in the Torah a boy can't talk to a girl? It doesn't. It doesn't. But in the Mishnayis, in Pirkei it says, right, that a person, don't talk too much to women. Because in the end, 
Yashim Gehenim, you're going to end up in hell. Don't talk too much to it. There's going to be drama, there's going to be emotional relationship, and then there's going to be physical relationship, and you're going to end up in a very bad place. But the, the mission says, call him Isha, talk about his wife, don't talk to your wife too much. Doesn't mean you shouldn't communicate with your wife. Don't come home and tell your wife what happened in Shul. Why? Because you're going to come home, and this guy was the, the rabbi in Shul, right? Told you to shut up in the middle of davening and embarrassed you in front of the whole shul. Now you come home to your wife, you're like, this rabbi, I don't want to ever go there again. He's a miserable rabbi. He embarrassed me, told me to shut up in front of everyone. And the wife's like, whoa, I can't believe he did that to you. I don't like him anyway. I don't like the rabbits in any way. And then she's like, but guys are very different than girls. The next day he goes, well, he has to go to Diamond Shack. He's going to go to the early meeting. The roof comes over to him and says, you know, what I did yesterday, I feel so bad. And, and they gave me, and they gave me an aliyah, it was Thursday morning, and the rub made up to him. He's like, okay, you know, I accept you. He comes home, tells his wife, you know, the rabbi came over to me, he apologized, she says, I don't care if he bought you a brand new house and two tickets to Israel. We are never going back to that show. How dare he talk to you that way? She will not forgive. So, the mission says, don't come home and tell your wife everything. Don't go with what your friend did to you because she'll never forget your friend. She will never forgive your friend. Meanwhile, now you want to be his best friend again and she won't go to their house. So, be careful. Don't say everything. You don't have to say everything. That's your wife. Surely you shouldn't talk to your friend's wife where that's going to end up. So tell the kid, you see, there's a Mishnah. And she says you shouldn't talk. Boys shouldn't talk to girls so much. That doesn't work, that answer. That's a Mishnah, that's not a halacha. Girls know how to learn. Not a halacha. It's a Mishnah, it's not good to talk. But it doesn't say you're not allowed to. Baruch Hashem, I tripped on this. I want to read to you how God looks at a Jewish girl. Okay? So the Rambam says the following. I never learned this before. I learned this when I was preparing. And now I have my answer for all the kids. Says the following. Crazy story. Misha Nasan Enov Beisha. This guy saw this girl and he fell in love with her. But he couldn't get her. Vachala, he became lovesick. Binatalamus, and he's dying. He is so sick in love with this girl and he can't get her. He's mamish. He's dying. He's dying. He's not eating. He's not drinking. He's not breathing. He's dying. Everyone's like, come on. Get over it. So they take him to the doctor. I'm reading a Rambam. In case you don't believe me, it's in Hilchus Yisai De Taira, Perek Hay, Capital Tess. Okay? So, they go to the doctors. Well, I'm right from the doctors say, it's true. Ain't like Rafua. We can't help him. There's no refuah at Shetiv Allah unless he physically sleeps with her. That's it. If he doesn't physically sleep with her, he's going to die. So what do you think the halach is, everybody? We should let him sleep with her? For sure not. Yamas! Let him die. For Al-Tiv Allah. And he's not allowed to sleep with her. Not allowed to be with her physically. So there's a Gemara. The Gemara says this in Sanhedrin, that there was a guy, he saw a married woman, he said, I have to be with her. He got sick, he couldn't eat, he couldn't drink, he was dying. 
He said, if I'm not going to physically be with her, I'm going to die. The doctors checked it out and they said it's true. And the rabbis let him die and he died. Why? Because she was a married woman. So it's adultery. So we know there are three things. You have to die before you do them. And that's, you're not allowed to kill someone. You're not allowed to commit adultery. And you're not allowed to serve idols. So we understand the Gemara in Sanhedrin. He said he wants to be with a married woman. It's adultery. He has to die. The Rambam says here's something that is a very big chidush. Something we don't expect. Yamas, he should die. But he can't be, he can't sleep with her. Even if she's single, let her go to the mikvah. She's not married. Let him be with her. You saved his life. You're not, you're not allowed to give someone's life up for him sleeping with a single girl. Go to the mikvah. There's no chayv creases here. So, so, so what happened? No, nothing happened. No big, it's, what? Right, but it's not, he's not, he's not, it's not adultery. It's not one of the three. So, anything but those three, you don't have to die. So the Gemara is talking about a married woman, we understand. The Ramam says, no, 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 no. Even if she's not married, you don't, no, no, he can't be with her. Then he goes further. And this is for all the kids who ask me the question. If he says, if I could talk to her, I won't die. I'll be healed. I'll start eating again. Just let me talk to her. I'm going to touch her. I just want to talk to her. More than that. I just want to talk to her from the other side of the Mechitza. I don't even need to see her. Just let me hear her voice. I just want to talk to her. That's all I want. We don't listen to him. The Yamas, let him die. You read this to the girl? I'm reading it from the Shulchan Aruch. No. From the Rambam. No, when the girl came and she talks to boys. Well, this is my new thing. I read it to everybody. Okay? So this sounds ridiculous. You're telling me there's a guy dying on the other side of the Mechitza. And he's like, can I just speak to Miriam? And if he let me speak to Miriam, and she talks to me, I'm going to start eating, and I'm going to uh, I'll get back my life. And the rabbis are like, no, die. We're not letting her talk to you. What's going on here? Does this make sense? So the question is, if I think about it, and you ask me, Rabbi Watson, why are we letting this guy die? The answer is, he's a pervert. He's an animal. He's an animal. He said he wants to sleep with her, He's so sick. He's such a pervert. He's so sick that he's not eating. He's dying because he wants to get to this girl. So we have to protect the women. If we're going to do this, right? Next time he's going to do, he's going to, who knows what he's going to do to someone else. So let him die because in the end he's going to be the Ben Sarimaira. The reason that we kill a Ben Sarimaira, even though he didn't do anything yet, because he eats that kind of meat, he drinks that much wine, sooner he's going to kill somebody. So we kill him before he kills someone else. So let's let him die before he rapes someone. Because he's a Meshuggah so that makes sense a little bit. That's not the reason we let him die, girls. Why do we let him die? Wow, says the Rambam. The reason we let him die, Shalom, Yehu, Benois, Yisrael, Hefka. Because Jewish girls are not Hefka. You don't 
let a Jewish girl talk to a guy because he said, I want to talk to her because I'm going to die. That's not what Jewish girls are here for. They're not hefker. You don't just give them up to someone else. So you know what? You let him die, not because he's an animal and he's going to hurt someone else, but because we are not bringing Hefkerus. Tomorrow morning, some other guy's going to wake up. I need to talk to her. And some other guy's going to... No, no. Jewish girls are not Hefkerus. What he says? Jewish girls, we should make up a big sign and we should plaster it all over Flatbush and Lakewood and Muncie and all over the place. Jewish girls are not Hefker. They're not your plaything. You know what Hefker means? Free. Free to the world to do whatever you want with. You want to talk to a girl because you're sick? No, you die. Our girls are not, that's not what they're here for. Says the Rambam, Jewish girls are not Hefker. And in the end, we're going to start giving our daughters off like this. It's going to end up in the worst Averis in the world. There's a story. There's a story. Not a story. So, that my David Amelech. So when he when he shot the rock into the head of Golios. So the Goliath went down, but he wasn't dead. He was out. And he ran up to Goliath. And in those days, Goliath also had a huge sword. But in those days, there was a weapons carrier. Like in golf, they have the guy who carries the the, tea, the, the, the golf clubs. So in those days, there was a weapons carrier. So you had the soldier. And then the weapons carrier had his mace and his uh, and his spear. And his. Sh- and then he would say, give me my sword, give me my... Th-. It was a weapons carrier. So when David knocked him down... He came to take the sword out of um, Goliath's scabbard. It was locked. It was locked. There was no key. So he went to the weapons carrier, right, this guy, and he said to him, if you give me, it's an unbelievable measure, if you give me the key to the sword, I promise you, if you become a ger, you become Jewish, you can, I will get you any Jewish girl that you want. That's what he said. Oh, the guy said, ha, that sounds like a good deal. So he gave him the key, he opened it up, he took the sword, he chopped off Goliath's head, right? And that guy who had the key, who was the weapons carrier, became a gear. You know what his name was? Anyone here know who that person was? Uriachiti. Uriachiti married who? Batsheva. David Amelach had to do a terrible thing to get Batsheva, because he was in love with Batsheva. So he sent Uriachiti, who was now a, a, a Yid, he became a Jew. He sent them to the front of the army, knowing he would get killed, because he's the front guy in the army. And then Uriachiti got killed, and then David Melch married Bathsheba, and David Melch talks about, I believe it's Nun Aleph, who, who has a Tehillim, is there a Tehillim in here? My favorite. Anyone have a Tehillim? This doesn't have a Tehillim. He came unprepared. Nun Aleph, I think? Does that make sense? Nun Aleph. I got it, I got it. The Matzach Mizdal David, right? He says, he says, Hashem, forgive my sin. Wash me clean. I'm guilty. I know. And I'm always, this, this Avera that I did, with Uriah Chiti, with Bathsheba, is in front of me all the time. But I did this, I very to you, Hashem. It's between me and you. 
Well, Rabbi Necho Sisi, and batting your eyes, I did. And he asked for, for forgiveness. Unbelievable. He's very open. Nun Aleph. He's very open about his past. He's very open about what he did wrong. There's nothing wrong with somebody talking about what he did wrong to help others. He talks about it in Nun Aleph, straight up. You know what the Medrash Rabbah says? That Batsheva was Dovan Amelech's Zivug. And Hashem said, when he was standing there, and he said to Uriachiti, I'll give you any girl that you want if you give me the key and you become a Jew, Hashem said, this is the Medrash, Lushen of the Medrash, are my daughters Hefker? You can just give my daughters away? You decided he could have any... I'm giving your Zivak to him. Mida Kenegi Mida. You think my daughters are Hefker? Good. So the one you're supposed to marry, that's who he's going to get. And which caused the whole hate, the whole thing that Dabra Melech went through. Jewish girls are not Hefker. Don't give them away. Don't care who you are or for whatever reason. Jewish girls are not Hefker. Says the Rambam, the guy comes along and says, I want to talk to a girl and I'm sick. If I don't talk to her, I'm going to die. Die. They're not free. They're not playthings. They're not things to use. They're not a guy's toy. They're the daughters of Hashem. And the problem is that the girls don't know this Rambam. And they don't know how the Torah looks at them. They feel that the Torah looks at men and the whole Judaism is men. Wrong. Just the opposite. All the halachas by a man is to protect a girl. Why do you have to have shmir sanayim? Girls don't have to have shmir sanayim. You can look at guys. But boys are not supposed to look at girls. You're not even supposed to, according to Gemara, you're not, you're not even to look at the pinky of a girl. Do you know that? The Gemara says you shouldn't even look at the pinky of a girl. Because if you look at the pinky, of the finger of a girl and you have thoughts, why, why did I tell you to do that? Because he, he doesn't like, he doesn't like girls and boys. The like Kurdish says, my daughter, I don't want you looking at their pinky. I don't look at their knees. I don't want you looking at their shoulders. I don't want you looking at their long hair. These are my daughters. These are not playthings. These, these are not toys for guys. And I'll let you die before you can even talk to her through Mechitza. It's a crazy Rambam. I don't mean a crazy, that's a, that's, but you have to hear that. It's more for the girl, this Rambam, than it is for the boy. It's more for the girl to understand how far the Chachamim, how far the Halacha is to protect you. To say, I don't care if this guy dies. He doesn't have a right to say, I need a girl to talk to me. No, the girl's not talking to you. What do you think you are? So what else? You think you can just give away the girls to whoever wants it? To this guy? You want to give away a girl? We're going to take your girl. It's a Wednesday night share thing, not a Tuesday night thing share. It's for the women to hear who you are and what you are. So, so why are you revealing all this stuff to guys? If, if the Rambam is saying that a guy has to die before he can even talk to you through Mechitza, again, can a guy talk to you through Mechitza? Can someone ask you, can you get me a sitter? That's not what we're talking with. The, what's going on over here is a guy is saying that I need her. If I don't have her, I'm going to die. That guy can't talk through Mechitza. Because she doesn't have to go to the Mechitza because he's going to die. That's not our problem. Doesn't mean I'm going to make you crazy. You're in shul and someone says, uh, excuse me, can I talk to you for a second? That's not what we're saying over here. We're saying the guy says, I'm going to die. If I don't have this girl talk to me, we're not going to go schlep a girl out and say, listen, you have to go to the side of Mechitza. This guy's dying. You, you got to talk to him. Chas says the Rambam. Chas 
That's a, that's a boss Yisrael. She's not a hefker. You can't do whatever you want with her. That's how Kishbochu looks at a Jewish woman. The problem is that a Jewish woman has to look like a Jew, at a Jewish woman in that way. You have to realize what the Torah thinks about you and, 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 and how precious you are to God. You're his daughter. And as, I, you know, I can't say God's a, a, a person. He's not a person. But as a father, I can say, well, I can't really say because I don't have boys. But, as, but, but fathers have a different relationship with their daughters than they have with their sons. Therefore, you know, it's an interesting thing. I had this question was thrown at me in the, in, like three months ago. A guy came over to me. He says, I have a very big question that's been bothering me all the time. I'm like, what's your question? So it says that when, 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 if you look in the Rashi, that when uh, Miriam died, right, it was the same death as Moshe Rabbeinu and Aaron. It was Nishika. Miriam died, Hashem kissed her. It says Rashi. How come the Torah doesn't say that? It just says she died. By Moshe Rabbeinu, it says, Lashen Yeshika. So he says it's not covered. Not covered to say that Hashem kissed her. So here, you ready for this guy's question? So he said, Hashem's not a man. So if Hashem's not a man, what's wrong with him kissing her? What would be wrong in the Torah if it said that Hashem kissed her? He's God. He's not. So you're saying, Rashi's saying that it's a Lushen Tzniyus, so it doesn't say that Hashem kissed her, is Mashra Hashem's a man. This guy hit me out of nowhere after a shit. If Rashi's saying he can't say in the Torah that Hashem kissed her, what's, that it's a Lushen Tzniyus, modesty, if God is a man... It's not modest to say that he kissed her. But if he's not a man, what's wrong with saying it? Bomb question. That's a bomb question. Huh? Good question? That's a good question. Teretz is much better than the question. The answer is that you're reading the Rashi wrong. It's not sneers for Miriam. Not that it's not sneers for God. It's not sneers for Miriam that anyone that anything kissed her. She's a Jewish woman. Whatever God is, whatever God isn't, what it is doesn't make a difference. You think it's not sneers for Hashem, but Hashem's not a man. So what's the problem? The problem is for her it's not sneers for the Torah to say that Miriam was kissed. Miriam was a tzaddikista. Therefore, even though she was kissed, the Torah respects her, the woman that she was, and doesn't even say that Hashem kissed her. That's how worried we are about the sneers of a woman that we won't even say Hashem kissed her. Even though he's not a man, he's God. Still, she's a Tadekista. Nobody kisses her. Her husband. That's it. No one else. Even God. That's what Rashi's saying. Woo! That was the end of his question. That's what Rashi's saying. That's not my answer. I asked a very big tzaddik. I didn't know the answer. He said, no, that's not what Rashi's saying. She's saying it wasn't sneeze for her to be kissed. Wow, what a woman is in Hashem's eyes. Girls, what a woman is in Hashem's eyes. What a woman is in, a, in, a, in the Rambam's eyes, in the, in the Hilchus of the Torah of Kleishel. Now, where do we find this Rambam, everybody? Where should you find this Rambam? You should find it in Hilchus Asurei Bia. 
In Hilchus Sarebiya talks about men, women, the whole, all the halachas of tznius and sleeping together, all the halachas. Anything you want to know between a man and a woman when it comes to halacha, it's in Hilchus Sarebiya, who you're not allowed to be with, who you are allowed to be with. Every, all, it's not in Hilchus Sarebiya. It's in Hilchus Yisaydei Torah. So this law that we just learned about letting him die is in Hilchus Yisaydei Torah. Hilchus Yisaydei Torah is the halachas, the laws of the foundation of our Torah. So it's not in the halachas of Tznius, it's in the halachas of the foundation of our Torah. foundation of our Torah is women are not playthings. Women are not hefker. They're not free to do whatever you want with them. That's a foundation of the Torah. May we all be zayfed to see Mashiach. May we be amen. Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.